following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, November 30th, the final day of November here in 2023. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. They're our wonderful studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. Overcast, a little chilly outside here in the Auburn-Opelika area, but we're getting closer and closer to the weekend. Uh, lots to talk about on the show today. We've got college basketball we got to talk about as the SEC ACC Challenge has officially wrapped up on the men's side of things. Uh, Auburn getting a nice win over Virginia Tech last night, 74-57. to we got to talk about all of that. Uh, two great guests on the show today. Thursdays are always a lot of fun here on the program. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us on the phone lines coming up at 2.30. We'll talk about all things Auburn athletics, football, basketball, recruiting, everything going on right now in the world of Auburn Athletics. So that'll be coming up at 2.30. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us coming up in the second hour at 3.30 to recap Rivalry Weekend, talk a little college basketball, and of course talk about the SEC championship game between Georgia and Alabama and the college football playoff rankings coming out this weekend. So he'll be with us at 3.30. Brad Law with us at 2.30. Until then... Phone lines are open on a Thursday afternoon. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? I'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts about Auburn basketball performance last night? We're going to get into that in just a second. Um, What are your thoughts on... All the transfer portal stuff going on uh, with college football. I know that it's everybody intending to enter, and there's a lot of big names, and there's some quarterback names floating around out there for Auburn to go and get in the transfer portal. I know you've got some thoughts and comments about that as well and whatever else is on your mind on a Thursday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Come on in and join me. I'm alone here in the studio today. Uh, No Michaela, no Uncle T-Bone. He'll be back tomorrow. She'll be in here uh, wrapping up her internship with us uh, in these next couple of days, which is crazy as the students are wrapping up at the university uh, almost December Wild, man. It's wild that we're about to be in the final month of 2023. Uh, that Time flies, man. Time flies when you're having fun and working hard, right? So, um, well, again, give me a call. Phone lines are open. And want to get into a little college basketball because Auburn played Virginia Tech last night. As I mentioned, the SEC-ACC challenge has wrapped up. 
Uh, on the men's side, the women's still playing Auburn women's basketball, hosting Clemson tonight uh, over on AU100, so you can check that out. Later tip, uh, they'll go on at 7.45, and tip-off is 8 p.m. tonight with Britt Bowen over on AU100. That's 100.3 FM. Um, but Auburn men take down Virginia Tech last night, 74-57 to inside of Neville Arena. And this game was not all that entertaining, if I'm going to be really honest with you. It just wasn't all that exciting throughout the game. So many fouls. Oh my gosh, the fouls were insane on both sides. I mean, this was this was a physical game. This was a ticky-tack game when it come, comes to fouls at times. Lots of turnovers, especially for Virginia Tech, a team that does not turn the ball over much. Uh, they turned it over eight times a game on average for the season so far. And they turned it over 21 times last night. 21. And I think the stat was Auburn forced like 11 or 12 of those somewhere in there. And so a lot of those were just unforced turnovers. Bad passes, throwing it away, right? Dribbling it off your foot. Those types of things, those are unforced errors, right? Unforced turnovers. But give Auburn a lot of credit. They got out and ran with those turnovers and got a lot of points from it I mean they 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 really cashed in on the points off of turnovers last night but Auburn gets the win 74 to 57 neither team shot the ball well Virginia Tech shot the ball horribly I mean horrible last night inside of Neville Arena 27 and a half percent was their shooting percentage Virginia Tech they only made 14 total shots Think about that. In 40 minutes of basketball, Virginia Tech made 14 total shots. That is not good, ladies and gentlemen. That is bad. And it wasn't from a lack of trying. They shot 51 shots. They only made 14 of them. They got to the free throw line a little bit and made 23 free throws on 31 attempts. Auburn had 24 of 36 at the line. And Auburn shot 38%, almost 39% from the field at 24 made field goals on 62 attempts. But neither team shot really well, and Auburn did not shoot well from behind the three-point line at all. They were 2 of 16 for a whopping 12.5% for the Auburn Tigers. Not what you're looking for uh, for a team and a program coming out of the last couple of years that have had really big struggles shooting the basketball. They've shot it a lot better than this this year. And so it just wasn't going down for them last night. And man, Virginia Tech, they couldn't buy a basket. I mean, they, they had open threes. They had open jumpers. They were missing layups. They were missing putbacks. I mean, they, they just couldn't score. And... We talked about with this Virginia Tech team how this was their first true road game, uh, but Bruce Pearl brought up a really good point how they've been they've been on the road a bunch. I mean, they just played like two or three games down in Orlando over the weekend. And so maybe some exhaustion got to them. Uh, maybe just a, a nasty road environment, right, that Virginia Tech's head coach talked to us about in the postgame press conference last night. Uh, talked about how 
It was a really good environment. Bruce Pearl brought it up as well. He had a couple of questions uh, that were asked of him last night about that, and he continued to say that Neville Arena is one of, if not the best atmosphere in college basketball. And I think it rattled that Virginia Tech team. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you were there last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. And even if you were watching the game, you probably know this as well. The energy inside of that arena for the first five minutes was unmatched. It was like it used to be years ago, right? The Final Four year when that place would be packed out and loud as can be. The students showed up. The fans showed up. It was loud. But then after about five minutes of game time, all the air got sucked out of the building last night. And it wasn't because of the fans or the students. It just got weird with the rotations on the floor from head coach Bruce Pearl. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. Obviously, he makes a lot more money than I do. But there was some really weird rotations last night where the offense just stalled out. There was just not a whole lot happening. I mean, Auburn went up double digits early, but they let Virginia Tech hang around in that first half. It was 33-24 to at the half, and Virginia Tech sat on like less than five points for 10 minutes. I mean, they were not playing well at all. Auburn started out really hot with their starters. And then a lot of those guys came out. And it just stalled. It just died, it seemed like. And it took all the air out of the building last night. And that was it. Like It just seemed like there was nothing overly crazy to cheer about because there wasn't great basketball being played on either side. Lots of fouls, that had a lot to do with it. Turnovers, has a lot to do with it. But the the different rotations for Auburn just didn't make a whole lot of sense, and the length that they were out there didn't make a whole lot of sense either. And I look at the five, the set of five, of Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, Dylan Cardwell. I'm trying to think. It was Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, Dylan Cardwell. Um, sometimes you would have Chris Moore, who, who did start last night. Sometimes he would be out there. Um, Chad Baker sometimes would be out there. But it just when the bench would come in, it just seemed like it kind of stalled a little bit. And I don't really know why. There wasn't a whole lot of movement. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring. But yet, you had your guy like Janai Broom who had a career night last night. He went off for 30 points. And he played 26 minutes, which I think Janai's a 30-plus minute guy. But he only played 26 minutes, and yet, he got 30 points. That's the highlight of the night, is that Janai Broom had 30 points, a career night for him scoring-wise. 30 points on 11 of 19 shooting. 8 of 13 from the free throw line. Not bad. I'd like to see it be better, but I'm always going to say that. And 13 rebounds. 7 of those offensive rebounds. 3 blocks. Only 1 foul. That's huge for Janai. And he had his best game of his college career last night. And on top of that, right on top of that, 
Here's what the rest of the starters did. You ready? Chris Moore, zero points. Jayla Williams, three points. Denver Jones, eight points. Aiden Holloway. If you haven't looked at the stat line yet, which I'm sure you probably have, how many points did Aiden Holloway score last night? In a 74-57 to win, how many points did Aiden Holloway score last night? If I were to have given you the final score yesterday before the game started, and I would have said, all right, listener, Auburn's going to win this game 74-57. to Auburn's going to win this thing by 17 points. How many does Aiden Holloway score? What would your number be? Probably somewhere between 8 and 12, right? Maybe even 15 if he had a good shooting night. Not, any, not even close. Not even close. Aiden Holloway was 0 of 7 from the field, 0 of 2 from behind the arc, didn't get to the free throw line, and did not score a single point. He didn't score last night, which is kind of unheard of in his early college career and his early days here at Auburn. That's not okay. If that continues to happen, I don't think it will. But Auburn has to have a Holloway score, man. He just had a bad shooting knife. He got pretty good shots. Got some pretty good shots. But there's also some tough shots that he was taking as well. Contested jumpers. Really tough contested twos. right? Trying to make tough, flashy finishes at the rim. And they just weren't going down last night. I'm not worried. If there's anybody on this team I'm not worried about, it's Aiden Holloway. But it does go to show that Auburn can win some games even if he doesn't play his best basketball. Can they do that once conference play gets here? Absolutely not. There is no way that Auburn's going to win conference basketball games if Aiden Holloway is scoring zero points. And here's the problem, too. Your other starters got you a whopping 11. Janai put up 30, man. You've got to get some help. Because Janai can't go for 30 each and every night in the SEC. He's going to try. He can go for 20 to 25. But you can't expect him to go off for 30 points every night. He'll be exhausted by the time conference play is done. You've got to get something out of Chris Moore. You've got to get something out of Jalen Williams. Here we are again. Here we go again. Jalen Williams played 12 minutes last night. One of four from the field, missed his only three-pointer, hit the free throw on the end one, had five boards, two assists, two steals. I like those numbers, but three points, man. Now, he only played 12 minutes because you have guys like Chad Baker-Mazzara and Chaney Johnson who are eating up some of those minutes because, yes, they're listed as guards, but they're playing in that three spot most of the time. And let me say this, man, Chad Baker-Mazzara, he's a player. He is a player. That number 10, he is a joy to watch play basketball. And I'll say this, too, he is a joy to talk to after basketball games. The last two press conferences at home, he's been the player that they've brought in. It was him and Janai last night. And Chad Baker is a really, really good dude. He is exciting. He loves the game of basketball. He loves Auburn. Bruce said that last night, too. And you can just hear the joy in his voice of how much he enjoys playing college basketball here. 
shout out to him, man. Played 24 minutes last night, 5 of 10 from the floor. Didn't make his threes, but those are going to go. 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Four total rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block with 15 points off the bench. That is an impact player. That is a guy that makes a difference. And he played what? He doubled Jalen Williams' minutes off the bench last night. Why not start him? I like him coming off the bench. He was the only one really off the bench last night that gave you a whole lot except Trey Donaldson, who I think played a good game, not a great game. The offense stalled out quite a bit when he was in, but he still got you nine points out of 18 minutes. I'll take that all day. So then the debate comes in. Do you take Chad Baker off the bench and really jack up your starting lineup? Or do you leave him on the bench that way you have somebody to go to when the starters need a rest? I think I see both sides. But Jayla Williams has to do more. Denver Jones, he had eight. That's fine. Chris Moore's got to do more. And of course, Aiden Holloway got to do more, but I'm not worried about him. Auburn wins 74 to 57 last night. Your thoughts on the game? Your thoughts so far on Auburn? Still just one loss as they get ready to take on Appalachian State this weekend. 334-321-1390. We'll look around the SCC ACC challenge that wrapped up. We'll look at the results. Kind of look at college basketball as a whole right now as we get into December tomorrow here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, the ACC-SEC Challenge year one is in the books for the men. Uh, Women wrapping up their uh, games tonight, including Auburn and Clemson. That game is at Neville Arena. You can find that on AU100 tonight. AU100 is 100.3 FM with Britt Bowen at 8 p.m. tonight for Auburn women's basketball hosting Clemson. But on the men's side of things, um, the SEC-ACC challenge in the books, and I did not realize this, I guess, initially, and maybe I missed it, and, and I guess I did. Did you know there were exactly 14 games played in this thing? There were exactly seven games on Tuesday and seven games on Wednesday, which means you could get a tie. And I didn't realize that. I guess I didn't notice that. And guess what? That is exactly what happened. The ACC and the SEC split in this challenge at seven to seven. And, you know, people may say, well, what does it mean if a conference wins? Well, realistically, it doesn't mean anything. But it is bragging rights. Um, and you know, you get to kind of pound your chest a little bit more than you would if you lost. But turns out the SEC and the ACC split their results. Seven wins for each conference for the SEC and for the ACC. And you look back on Tuesday, it started with Kentucky beating down Miami. I mean, putting a hurting on Miami. 95-73. to One of the biggest games of this challenge 
was the number 12 Wildcats taking down the 8th-ranked Hurricanes, 95-73. to You had a couple of upsets in here. You had Georgia Tech at home hosting number 21 Mississippi State. And Georgia Tech beats the Dogs 67-59. to You had Clemson go on the road to Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa and take down a top 25 Alabama team, 85-77. to You had South Carolina hosting Notre Dame, a team that Auburn has already beaten this year. They win 65-53 comfortably. That's an undefeated South Carolina team, just a heads up. You had LSU, representing the Southeastern Conference, go up and uh, get embarrassed by Syracuse, who's a pretty solid team, and LSU's not all that good, 80 80- to 57 again these are the games on Tuesday Missouri goes on the road to Pitt and squeaks out a win 71-64 that was a huge win for the SEC and then late night Tuesday Ole Miss handling NC State 72 to 52 and in case you have forgotten who plays on that Ole Miss team who was undefeated by the way NC State probably their best win they don't have really anybody crazy on their non-conference schedule but if you look have you checked recently who the leading scorer is for Ole Miss it's a guy by the name of Alan Flanagan who is averaging over 19 points a game for the Rebels right now and doing his thing with Ole Miss good for him man he's their leading scorer he's also their leading rebounder I don't know what that says about their team I think they're very small, and we know Allen can be a good rebounder. He's athletic enough, so good for him. Averaging 19 points and almost eight rebounds a game to lead Ole Miss to a win over NC State back on Tuesday. So then, you look at the games last night in the SEC-ACC Challenge. You had Auburn take down Virginia Tech. We talked about that at length. They opened the show, 74-57. You had Virginia hosting Texas A&M, who is number 14 in the country before this, and Virginia, who plays the most boring brand of basketball you'll ever see. They played it once again, and they beat A&M 59-47. That's a bad loss, man. 47 total points, and I know Virginia plays that lockdown defense, whatever you want to call it, but you can't score 47 on the road and expect to win. So A&M dropped the ball for the SEC there. Wake Forest taking down Florida 82-71 to in the Battle of the Mids right there. Boston College handled Vanderbilt in Nashville 80-62. to How about the Georgia Bulldogs last night? How about the dogs for Georgia going on the road to Tallahassee, Florida and taking down Florida State 68-66? to How about that? That was a big win for Georgia. That was a big win for the SEC. And they were down in that game and had to come back and win. And they win it by two on the road. The other two big games last night in the SEC-ACC Challenge was number 17 North Carolina hosting number 10 Tennessee. And Arkansas, who's been off to a sloppy start this year, hosting the number seven team in the country, the Duke Blue Devils. We'll start with North Carolina-Tennessee. If you didn't keep up with this game, and I know it was right around there before Auburn was playing, did you see what the halftime score was? Did you see what the halftime score was in Chapel Hill? 
It was 61 to 39. North Carolina was handling Tennessee at the half. I mean, embarrassing them at home. North Carolina was up 61 to 39 at the half. And Tennessee came roaring back. I mean, came roaring back and tried to get back in this thing. They outscored North Carolina 53 to 39 in the second half, but it just wasn't enough. The Heels come away with a win 100 to 92. And Tennessee's got to be kicking themselves, man. If you don't get down by 22 at the half, you probably win that game. If you don't give up 61 points and a half, you probably win that game. And they give up 100 total points for the game and they lose by eight on the road. And Tennessee, all of a sudden, is four and three overall. And then Arkansas, a team that has a really bad loss on the schedule and a couple of tough losses as well. Their one bad loss is UNC Greensboro. Their other two are Memphis and North Carolina. They're hosting Duke last night, and everybody's thinking, oh, Duke's going to run the floor. They're going to wipe them out of Fayetteville on the road. Nope. The Arkansas team we all thought was going to be this year showed up last night in front of a really good crowd there at Bud Walton Arena. Over 20,000 fans dressed in white. And they storm the court because they take down Duke 80-75. to And the SEC and the ACC, they split the challenge in year one. Overall, I think you got what you wanted. Great matchups, great games, and great results, including a win for Auburn over Virginia Tech last night as well. When we come back, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us talking all things Auburn athletics here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. And joining us on the phone lines as he does every Thursday at 2.30, it's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, happy Thursday. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and we appreciate your time as always, sir. Yeah, Jacob, thanks. Always look forward to it. And, um, we're, we're right back to it in the midst of a busy week with Tiger Talk tonight, basketball last night, more basketball on the way, and a football bowl game coming up next month in all likelihood. So it's, uh, it's a good time. It is. Well, a lot going on in the world of Auburn athletics, and we want to get as much information from you as we can uh, in this in this conversation. So let's jump into it. Let's wrap up football season. I know we got the bowl game coming up that we can talk about, but the season, uh, the regular season that is for Auburn football in 2023 has come to an end uh, with the heartbreaking loss of the Iron Bowl and the season as a whole. Brad, summarize it for us in your best words. We know you got some sort of an analogy to put there with it summarize this 2023 season for us in the eyes and the words of brad law that's great um i don't know i should have thought of an analogy i guess um i'll tell you i thought this team was going to win more than six games but i think it speaks to um how difficult it is in today's era of college football to uh have a team full of new players new coaches 
the roster's new, the coaches are coaching together, many of them for the very first time, um, and to really turn into the team you want to be, like to establish an identity or to expect a team to have an identity established a month into the season probably isn't or wasn't realistic. And I just, I liked the way the team, New Mexico State notwithstanding, that's an, you know, that's an aberration. I, I really liked the way this team played in the month of November. And if we had seen that team in October, September, uh, then, you know, they probably do win a couple of more ball games. Uh, I think it gives you a lot of confidence in going forward what it's going to look like. But, you know, this year I think all of us coming, after, coming out of the Arkansas game thought this team is going to be at worst 7-5, and five, maybe maybe 8-4. and four. I thought that was realistic. And so to not have achieved that is disappointing. I'm sure players and coaches thought along similar lines that, um, and it's what Hugh Freeze said Monday in his press conference that, you know, I don't know that you come out and say you're proud of having won six games, but you can be proud of. All right, I'll give you the I'll give you the analogy. Right here it so comes. If you're going to make a cross. There you go. If you're going to make a cross country drive, okay. If you're leaving from Miami and you're going to drive to Seattle, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you once you cross through St. Louis. Can you be happy that you're in St. Louis? Well, it's not your final destination, but you can look around and go, there's plenty to be proud of given where we are right now. We know we're going somewhere else. We know where the final destination is. The end goal is at St. Louis. But there's plenty to look around and do and be entertained by and be happy about within. There are plenty of games and performances and elements of this season that you can look at and be very happy with, perfectly satisfied, um, without being satisfied with six wins. Like, there's a way to separate those two mentally, intellectually, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you do with this season. You understand it as a building block that it is. Was that a secret jab at the city of St. Louis? No, it's just the first city it's the first city that I can think of along the way. Whether I said Tulsa or Nashville or Atlanta or any other that that's what I was gonna go with. No, no I problem. Love it. No issues with St. Louis. That's right. No, I love it. And you're right. I mean you have to be able to to look at the bright sides and the good things that happened in year one, but I think a lot of fans also have some of those disappointments and the what if factors, right? The what if question. We play that game all the time here on the show. It's like, okay, well, what if Auburn did beat New Mexico State or what if they did beat beat Alabama or Georgia, right? I mean, those are always going to be there, Brad, but um, I think there are a lot of good things, especially when you see what's happening in the recruiting side, um, uh, yeah. Some a lot of good things that happened in year one under Hugh Freeze. No, there are, and, I, and I'll go back to kind of finish the, the point about being happy with the season where you are. You, what you don't want to do is become one of these miserable people who, well, if Auburn doesn't win the championship, then I'm just not a happy person. Like <laughs> right. ESPN, ESPN has turned us into if it's not the playoff, then it doesn't matter. And that's just wrong, man. I think about when I was, you know, when I was a kid coming to games, our final record at the end of the year, I say our, cause I, you know, that's how when you're a kid, that's just kind of how I referred to it. Mm-hmm. Um, our final record at the end of the year didn't really matter all that much to me. What mattered was spending time with uh, my uncle at, a, at an Auburn game. I looked forward to it for weeks and weeks because I got to go to one game a year. And this season at Jordan Hare stadium, um, people went to an Auburn game for the first time ever. And maybe Auburn won that game. Maybe Auburn lost that game. But that experience that they had at the stadium and tailgating, and uh, that's that makes a mark 
on people and that's a foundation for future experiences and it's unforgettable and i just I, you have to stop i think that you should do yourself a favor and stop and appreciate all of those surrounding elements of game day that matter a whole lot more big picture than the final record in year one of a coaching regime, especially when that part of the recipe is there. They, they are moving and trending in the right direction. And it's it's crazy, too, that it's over, right, Brad? I mean, 2023 yeah. regular season, it's done. It's gone. Tomorrow's December. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know where it went. No, and that happens every year, too, and that's why we talk so much about attendance, and I don't understand not going to games if you have an opportunity to go because we wait all year long for seven home games or eight home games or 12 just total regular season games, and all of a sudden it's over. We wait nine months for the season to start, and then it's over. Uh, it's, it's wild. It has not. I keep waiting on it to slow down, and year after year it only speeds up, I think. Well, the regular season may be over, Brad, but bowl season is upon us. Auburn will be in a bowl game. We're still sort of waiting on what that's going to look like. Um, but what does it mean for Auburn to be going to a bowl game in year one to get those extra practices and get, you know, to kind of figure out who's going to be on this team and who's going to be contributors on this team next year? I mean, all of that plays into these next couple of bowl practices and eventually the bowl game itself coming up this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, because you don't know what your team's going to look like a month from now. Like, in four weeks, whenever Auburn's bowl game is played, it'll be about four weeks or so. Um, you don't know who's going to be there and who's not going to be there and who's only not going to be there for the bowl game or who's going to be there or who's not going to be there for the whole season next year. Right. Um, it, there's just no way to know. And then on the other side, on the other side, uh, whoever your opponent is, how many of their players are not going to play? How many of their players are transferring? Um, you can't even go to the bank with the guys who play in the bowl game because some of them may decide after the bowl game to go and, and uh, try their luck in the spring portal period. So I like Coach Freeze's approach. It's, it's a reward. You want the players to, to enjoy the bowl experience. I think we do have some guys. I think we have a lot of guys on this team who will opt to play in the game because they missed out on it last year. And they want an opportunity to to get a win in their final, if it is their final game. Some of those upperclassmen, you know, you want to go out on a winning note, and you have the opportunity to do that and to break a bowl losing streak for Auburn, um, and just to go out with a win. So, I'm I think it's curious. I'm so happy that I don't have the job of trying to manage a roster. Uh, tremendous credit and absolutely no jealousy whatsoever of those coaches who are, who are having to deal with roster management right now. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines as he does every Thursday during On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. As football season is wrapping up, Brad, basketball season is in full swing. Uh, Auburn had a game last night at Neville Arena. You were there uh, part of the broadcast with Andy Burcham, Sonny Smith, as Auburn took down Virginia Tech as part of the SEC-ACC Challenge. Uh, what did you see out of Auburn's performance last night? A double-digit win, but uh, some, some bumps and, and bruises down the road there in that game last night. Well, it was a physical game, and um, you know Virginia Tech is a—they are a, a deceptively physical team. You look at them, and they don't look like they'd be that physical, but they are. Uh, so Auburn didn't have its best night shooting the ball. I think Denver Jones only got what eight points, and uh, Aiden didn't score, and J- 
Jalen didn't score that much, and Chris didn't score at all, and it didn't. It just flat out didn't matter that those guys didn't score very much last night uh, because Janai Broom and Chad Baker Mazzara took over. There was no answer. This team continues to look a lot like uh, BP's championship teams at Auburn. Uh, they got out to the 11-1 to lead last night. It was four minutes into the game before Tech got their first field goal. Four minutes into the game before they got their first field goal. That We've seen those championship teams go on runs like that to open games. And, you know, contrary to maybe very early in the season, teams are able to make runs early in the second halves of games against Auburn. That, that's kind of a talking point after the Baylor game. It didn't happen last night. Um, Virginia Tech's best run came when uh, when Chad Baker Mazzara left the game with an injury for a few minutes, and then he came back in, and they just Auburn kept Virginia Tech a a middle maybe upper half ACC team completely under its thumb, completely controlled the game from start to finish. That's that's a really solid performance from this team after having eight days without a game Mm -hmm. after having the thanksgiving holiday this was they were supposed to be rusty and they weren't rusty at all i'm uh now you got this stretch coming up three games away from neville arena and then usc it's fascinating to watch this month this next month december play out uh with so many of these intriguing non-conference games and uh, then the start of of sec play Really curious to see how this team continues to grow and develop, especially defensively. Four straight opponents, six points or less. Brad, I challenge you or anybody else in college basketball to find 25 better teams than Auburn is right now huh. because they are still not ranked. And I know it's early, but I just don't see 25 yeah. better teams than them in college basketball. I really don't. No, and they'll be ranked on Monday. I, I believe that unless they you know, unless they lose at Appalachian State, and that's not an easy game. That's that's going to be nine to ten thousand people going stark raving mad uh, because a power conference team has decided to come to Boone to play a game. Nobody does that except for Bruce Pearl and Auburn. Uh, but if they win that game, certainly they will be ranked on Monday. I remember two years ago when this when the team with Jabari and Walker, the, the SEC championship team that uh, was number one in the country for a while. Very early that year, you could look at that team and say, well, there aren't 25 teams better. And then they were ranked in the in the low 20s. And then you go, well, there aren't 20 teams better. And as they continued to climb the rankings and as they continued to play well, you just looked and you said, well, there aren't five teams better than this team at that point in the season. And this team has the potential. Uh, its trajectory, really, I, I, the ceiling for this team is really, really high. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally comfortable saying that here at the end of November it's an exceedingly high ceiling for this team brad law from the auburn sports network with us on the phone lines we'll get him out of here in just a second a couple of updates around auburn athletics uh, auburn volleyball in the ncaa tournament they'll be taking on uh, western michigan uh, today coming up in about 15 minutes or so brad up in louisville in that regional uh, they'll be taking on western michigan there in the kfc yum center huge shout out to that volleyball program and head coach brent crouch who uh, we've had on on the program many times this year back-to-back ncaa tournament appearances for the first time in program history yeah, probably got a raw deal having to go to Louisville, too. I, I, I think especially the way they closed the season. Uh, but that's okay. They haven't been healthy, really, since the first match of the year, all the way healthy. And now they are. And you saw what they did against the top-ten Arkansas team, taking them right down to the wire with a, with a fully healthy squad. So 
I'm excited to watch them here in about 15 minutes if they win this match and Louisville, the presumptive favorite in its match. An Auburn-Louisville matchup tomorrow night would be uh, would be really intriguing. And, um, I just I love, again, the direction of this program. You could see gymnastics building with Coach Graber. You could see the – when you see a program that so obviously and objectively is on the right path, it's it's fun to get a ticket and hop on for the ride, and that's happening with the volleyball program right now. So, you know, buy your buy your ticket for the show because this, this program continues to move in the right direction in a hurry. Give our listeners some updates on some of the broadcasting side of things. Tiger Talk tonight from Neville Arena before the women's basketball game, uh, the basketball game coming up on Sunday for the men, um, and just so much going on with the Auburn Sports Network right now. Yeah, the main thing is that is Tiger Talk tonight. Uh, just because football season is over, Tiger Talk continues all the way through the end of March. And be on the lookout for a potential special bowl show as well Uh-oh. around uh, uh, around postseason. So um, that's just be on the lookout for that. But tonight's show is from the arena, like you said. Uh, Coach Pearl will be with us. Britt Bowen will talk some Auburn women's basketball. And Coach Johnny Harris will join us on the show live less than an hour and a half before her team tips off against Clemson in the women's SEC-ACC challenge. Uh, the men's side, I guess they split them 7-7, seven and seven, uh, so an opportunity to erase the sting from the WNIT loss at Clemson last year. Really excited. Later game tonight, 8 o'clock game tonight, and we'll get you all set for it on Tiger Talk at 6. Awesome. Well, Brad, hey, I appreciate you as always. I appreciate your uh, your time and all your wonderful information talking all things Auburn Athletics each and every Thursday at 2.30 here on ESPN 106.7. Thanks so much, Brad, and we'll talk to you next week, man. You got it, Jacob. Thank you. War Eagle. That's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Thursday here on the show talking all things Auburn Athletics. You can catch Tiger Talk tonight, 6 p.m. over on Wings 94.3 here locally in Auburn Opelika. That's Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Then flip over to AU100, that's 100.3 FM, and you can find the Auburn women's basketball game that Brad was talking about as they take on Clemson in the women's ACC SEC Challenge. Britt Bowen will be on the air at 7.45 with tip-off offset for 8 p.m. as we are here at Auburn Network now the local affiliate for the Auburn Sports Network and man it's been so much fun for us such an honor Uh, football season went so well basketball season off and running for the men's and women's and so uh, we're excited to carry all of that for you and Tiger Talk here on our family of stations at Auburn Network we'll be right back and wrap up hour number one here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We appreciate Brad Law for joining us as he does every Thursday from the Auburn Sports Network, who uh, they do just a fantastic job. I love talking with Brad. I caught him off guard with the... uh, with the analogy thing, but he came up with one on the fly. I was impressed. I was impressed with Brad, and I thought he was trying to take a shot at the city of St. Louis, but he claims he wasn't, so I don't know. We'll leave that up for your interpretation, but we do enjoy Brad, and we appreciate him joining us each and every Thursday here on the show, recapping uh, and putting into words what the football season was like as the bowl game coming up, and with all the craziness of, of recruiting and the transfer portal, I mean, it's just going to be a wild month or two uh, around here with everything going on 
And so uh, excited to hear what he has to say in the next few weeks. Uh, Talking basketball as well as Auburn beats Virginia Tech last night on the men's side. The women playing Clemson tonight. And then Auburn Volleyball, as I mentioned, uh, tune in on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if you got a TV in the office or something, or if you got dual monitors, keep us up on one and, and pull up Auburn Volleyball on the other because they're taking on Western Michigan coming up in the next five minutes or so in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So uh, be sure you tune into that. Brent Crouch and his team are playing really well. And like Brad said, they got a tough draw there in Louisville, but hopefully they can take down Western Michigan and would more than likely play Louisville in the next round. So be sure you pull that up. I'll give you some updates as we get into hour number two. Phone lines are open as we get into the second hour. 334-321-1390. We'll be talking more uh, football news as we get into the world of college football with the um, just with the playoff and the SEC championship game coming up and uh, with Auburn, with all the rumors and everything going around, Auburn picked up a 2026 recruiting commit today. Um, that was kind of crazy. So we'll talk about all that coming up in hour number two. Also, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us in hour number two as well as he does every Thursday. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on SEC basketball, rivalry weekend, of course, the Iron Bowl, the SEC championship game, and I have a feeling, I just have a feeling that Chris is going to have something to say about the college football playoff and who should be in and who should be out. Don't you think Chris may have a, uh, a colorful uh, description and explanation for what he thinks should happen and maybe a, a bold opinion or two on what he has to say about the playoff? I'm sure he does. So I'm looking forward to ca- talking with him in hour number two as well about that. And yeah, just lots to get to coming up in the second hour and as I mentioned we're going to talk about Auburn picking up a 2026 football commit yeah not 2024 not 2025 2026 that's kind of wild but you can't say Hugh Freeze done light recruiting man they're on it already an offensive lineman at that and a pretty good one too we'll talk about that football SEC and a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. We'll get to the phone lines. Would love for you to be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390. We'll start with the phone lines when we come back for hour number two. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. The sun trying to peek out a little bit here as the uh, 3 o'clock hour hits us in Auburn and Opelika. Hope you're doing well on the final day of November. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the show on demand as a podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or go to our station website, ESPNAU.com. It's posted commercial-free after each and every show. We talked to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network in hour number one. He had a lot of good things to say about football, basketball, volleyball, all things going on with Auburn Athletics in accordance to the Auburn Sports Network. We also talked to Auburn Basketball as they beat Virginia Tech last night in a nice win for the SEC and the SEC-ACC Challenge. And so lots of great stuff in hour number one. Here's what's coming up in hour number two. We're about to get to the phone lines and would love for you to be a part of that as well. 334-321-1390. We'll talk a lot of football here in this second hour. Then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will be with us at 3.30 to talk all things SEC, SEC championship, college football playoffs. So looking forward to all of that. And again, you can be a part of the show until then. 334-321-1390. 1390 and we start hour number two with jones on the phone lines jones we appreciate you holding on man you're on the line thank you uh love your show listen you know when you work in sales and you're as old as i am you have to have sayings and analogies and uh things you listen to and read otherwise you will live life by default Mm -hmm. and really get in a deteriorated mode now young people who are going to auburn or maybe the the new fans they don't know the the process of how Auburn's program basically became almost an implosion or deterioration, if you will, 10, 12 years ago when uh, our coach at the time was allowed to basically not recruit linemen, uh, very little wide receivers. It then got extended an absolutely absurd contract, which and then got extended uh, even further by the next one they hired. And I'm setting the table for an analogy that I have to use for myself and I think for Auburn football lovers. Okay. All right. Back in the 60s, there was a movie called Cool Hand Luke. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got Paul Newman. He goes to prison. And George Kennedy's this big, heavy dude that's in prison with him. And during the movie, they get in a fight. And George uh, Kennedy's character named Dragline is just pummeling Paul Newman's character, Luke. And every time he just pummels him to basically where well, he's knocked out, he keeps getting up, Paul Newman does, and George Kennedy's character would hit him again and knock him on the ground, and over and over, he's just pummeling him. But Paul Newman's little 130-pound character kept getting up, and his line is, you're going to have to kill me. And that's Auburn fans, by God. We're not there yet, but what happens Saturday night? Open the door for what this future holds, which I think is going to be incredible under Hugh Freeze. You're going to have to kill us to keep us down. And these monsters like Georgia, Bama, LSU, and others are the nationwide folks who think we're a laughing stock. I think we earned a lot. Now, I don't believe in moral victories, and neither does anybody that loves Auburn. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is we know what happened Saturday, and I'm optimistic knowing that you got to keep us down as much as you can right now. But when we come back, watch out, folks, because Auburn is back. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Thanks so much for the call, Jones. I I like that a lot. I really do. And and again, I appreciate you holding on through the break and and coming on and saying that because I think it's true. 
I think it's true. I think Auburn fans, and look, I'm a lifelong one, right? I've loved this team for my almost 24 years of life, and there have been handfuls of moments, right? There have been bits and pieces in the last, uh, we'll just say 30 years to make it easy. There have been bits and pieces and moments where it's been really, really high for this program. Right, but it it just seems to be a struggle for for Auburn football to put it together for years and years and years and years, right? For there to be five years in a row of just really good, consistent, high level play of Auburn football. And I know you had the winning streak versus Alabama with Tuberville, but there weren't there were a couple of the teams in that stretch for Auburn that weren't all that great. Alabama was just worse, right? There were National championship teams in this last three decades, of course, with the 2004 team that should have been national champions. You had the 2010 team that won the national championship with Heisman Trophy winner Cam Newton. And you had the team in 2013 that played for a national championship that should have won that national championship. And you had a team in 2017 that was a carry-on Johnson injury away from probably making it to the college football playoff. But it's the years outside of those that get Auburn fans so upset, I think. And it's the lack of consistency that get Auburn fans fired up and, and wanting more. And the question becomes, is that realistic? Right? The question becomes, is that realistic for a fan to want their team to be consistently good or even consistently great? And I think that's a really tough question to answer because 15 years ago, sure, if you get the right coach and he builds the right, he builds the program the right way, I think that's doable. AKA Nick Saban in Alabama. He came in, they hired the right coach, he built it the right way, and he has dominated college football ever since. But this is a different era. This is a different time. And that's what makes Georgia and Kirby Smart so interesting to me. Because Kirby's doing it in a completely different era of the game than Nick Saban ever had to do. And you look, Nick Saban's still been good. Alabama's still been great. But we can all see it. We can all see the slight decline that has been taking place the last few years. And he's not going to coach forever. And I'm bringing this back to Auburn, so bear with me here. So 15 years ago, yeah, it was fair for a fan base to say, we want this program to be consistently good or even consistently great. And I think all Auburn fans believe that Auburn can do that, and they could do that. But this is a different era. We talked with Brad Long in the first hour about how you don't even know what players are going to be on your bowl game coming up in a couple of weeks. You don't even know what teams you're, or what team you're playing and who or what players they're going to bring with them. How in the world are you supposed to be good in, an, in a day and age like this? But to Jones's point, Auburn fans want Auburn to be good. Because they know it's there. They know the resources are there. They know the people are there. They know the money is there. 
And I think Hugh Freeze believes that too. And let's be honest, that's the most important one that needs to believe it. Him and and all of you and the boosters who donate money to the program, right? All Those are all the important ones that need to believe that. And I think you do. And take what Jones was saying. The Iron Bowl you may have lost and there, there are no such things as, as moral victories. But if Auburn can get over the hump, right? And if Auburn can get past what has held back so many coaches here, right? I'm going back to Gene Chizik. And then Gus Malzahn, and of course, Brian Harson. The Brian Harson thing never got going, but Gene Chizik won a national championship. And then the team had the worst record it's ever had in this program history. You also had Gus Malzahn, who had really high highs and really low lows. And then, so I ask you this. I ask you this as a fan, not just for Auburn, but for any team that you're a fan of it could be the New York Jets it could be the Los Angeles Lakers it could be the Houston Astros I don't care would you rather your team and the program would you rather them be consistently good and always kind of there but rarely break through and get to the top or would you rather And I guess maybe even having the potential to get there, right? The potential's always there. You're just constantly waiting to see if it happens. Or would you rather have what Auburn did during the Gus Malzahn era or during the Gene Chizik era or during the Tommy Tuberville era where you'd have really great teams and then you'd have a really bad year? And then a couple years later, you'd have a really good season again, get to the national championship, and then all of a sudden you'd go back to 7-5. and five. Would you rather that? Or would you rather the consistently be good and continue to build long-term and the potential to be great long-term is always there? I would rather have that one. I'm going to be honest. And I think that's what Auburn is trying to do. I think that's what Hugh Freeze is trying to do here. Is say, look, 6-6 six and six is not acceptable at Auburn. It's not. It never should be. But it's year one, and there were some really good things that happened in year one here. There were some really good things to build off of in this first year. And if if Auburn can get some playmakers in here on all sides of the football and all aspects of the game, and I think get some coaches in here, and continue to have the fans support, Auburn can get to that point. And Auburn can build off of year one and really start to scare those around in college football and start to scare some of those in the SEC. Because I do believe that Auburn can get there. I firmly believe that. But to fully believe it, I've got to see it. Because it just hasn't happened. Alabama's had their turn. Georgia's currently in their turn. You've seen others. Of course, Clemson has been there, done that. Florida State was there for a little bit. Ohio State, Michigan, right? Ohio State's had theirs. Michigan, I think, is in theirs right now. The question becomes, can Auburn have one of those themselves? Can Auburn have one of those, and how long can it last? And I like what Jones said. 
He said, if Auburn gets there, get ready. You're going to have to kill Auburn for them not to be great. And I just think that's what Auburn fans are looking for. And there's a lot of people that believe Hugh Freeze can be that for this team and this program. And everything seems to be lining up that way. Now it's time to make it happen. And I think in today's age of college football, there are so many ways to help you with that. But there's a lot of ways to hurt you with that as well. 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines again. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, it's Andy Warrigal. Hey, Andy. What's up, man? Hey, uh, to follow on with some analogies or metaphors or similes, I never really figured that out in high school. But, um, <laughs> Go for it. If, if, you, if you live in a neighborhood and you've got two mansions and you have a, a big house next to those mansions mm-hmm. and then you have a couple of smaller houses and a couple of shacks, are you going to drive home every day wishing you were in one of those mansions? Are you going to be happy that you have one of the bigger houses and thank God you're not one of the shacks? Because that's where we're at. Keep in mind, with Gus, we'd have a Heisman quarterback right now. A Heisman quarterback right now and some receivers and linemen that left. Again, I, I hate to uh, keep bringing that up, but um, people just, Auburn fans tend to forget, you know, everyone's struggling except Alabama Georgia. Everyone's struggling. Texas A&M, they're bigger jokes than we are now, thank God. Tennessee, I mean, when they fired their coach, what, two decades ago, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> they always think they get it together, then they fall apart. South Carolina, Arkansas, those poor guys. You know, um, Vanderbilt, Shaq. Um, Missouri had a good year this year, but, um, but you know, that, that's a, a, a shocker. Uh, we're all shocked by that. Yeah. Um, we had a big house, and we weren't happy with it. We kept looking at those mansions, and um, we kind of went into a shack for a couple of years. And, again, I think I love where we're going. I, uh, we still got things to figure out, but, um, again, you have, what was it, Oklahoma losing to UCF? And I hate to bring up Gus again, but, you know, Gus is this awful coach that can't recruit, but then he gets paid a bunch of money, he goes down to UCF and is going to start taking it serious. No, he's a good coach. All our offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators that we fired, they're in Georgia and other places doing successful. We just, I love the Auburn family. Uh, I, I, you know, when I go to the bathroom, the bowl's either orange or blue, just like you. But um, we do tend to get a little crazy with thinking. And even if we do get talent like Texas, you know, they lost. Um, LSU lost in the beginning of the year to Florida State. You know, mm-hmm. even when we get talent, we're going we're gonna to lose games. And what if Alabama gets lucky and we have a better team than this and beats us again? This is just going to be like, man, we just can't beat that Alabama team. So... Again, this isn't to rub our nose in the dirt or anything like that. It's just to um, teach us to be a little bit more appreciative right. next time that this goes on so that we don't freak out. Because, again, firing coaches means losing players. And then you're in a two-, three-year hole or, for Tennessee's sake, you know, two-decade hole. Yeah, two um, decades is right about Tennessee. But um, – yeah, I mean, I'm with you to some parts, but, you know, again, everyone's making, you know, fun of Gus for not recruiting, but we'd have a Heisman quarterback, and, um, you know, it's still a heartbreaker seeing him out there wearing different colors. But, um, I don't know, we just seem to look look weird 
at things. Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, I think I think what most fans got frustrated about, you know, with Gus, if you want to use the house analogy, is they were coming home to the house every day and they were still looking at the 80s interior, right? Nothing had changed. It was the same old thing, and it was the same. You know, you'd have you'd have your big one season, but then you'd go back to the same old tendencies and nothing, right? It was the same couch that your grandma had, right? And that's just kind of where it was with him. And, and there were a lot of fans, and I'm sure you may have been one of them, that were upset when he left, you know, and that when Auburn got rid of him, and he was a yeah. consistent factor, I think. I just don't know if he was ever going to make Auburn consistently great rather than consistently kind of good. I hear you. And my last thing on that is, of course, he didn't leave. We you know, we fired him. Right, but, right, um, right. But uh, he had a quarterback in the makings, a young quarterback in the makings, and he, and he had some talent. You know, I think everyone that had a nickname um, left when Gus left. Mm-hmm. And um, Bearcat, and I don't know. I don't know other names. But anyone that had a nickname, they just kept leaving. I'm like, man, this is not good. So, again, I just wish we would have given the guy two more years, then fired the heck out of him, and probably only for $14 million instead of 17 or 19 But anyways... Again, can't go back in time. Just next time this happens, five years from now, let's not fire freeze. Good teams lose all the time. Stop looking at the two mansions. Just be happy with the big old house. And um, appreciate it, man. Yeah, like it. That's Andy from Auburn calling in 334-321-1390. Would love to get your thoughts on this as well. Uh, it's a It's a subject that we could talk about all the time, and it's something that after year one – it just kind of leaves open you know, an open-minded question, open-fielded question, if you will. How do you feel? Where do you stand? Right? How are you feeling after year one? I don't think there's anybody calling for Hugh Freeze's job yet, but I know what Andy's talking about, right? If if it in three years, if it doesn't get where we want it to get, is it time to pull the plug? Right? I just I know it's crazy, man. It's crazy, and it, and it's not just Auburn. There are so many programs and fan bases that are this way that just want to win. That's all you want. You just want to win. And I get it, right? Everybody wants to win. And for Auburn, it's tougher than any fan base in the country right now. The last five years, ten years, it's been the toughest fan base in the country because your two biggest rivals are out winning national championships. No other fan base can say that. None. There is not a single other fan base that can say that about their two biggest rivals, who have been the two best programs in college football combined for the last 10 years plus. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines again when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines once again here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And, Jeremy, you're on the line. Appreciate you holding on through the break, man. Hey, yeah, man. Um, look, you talk about living in your neighborhood with all the big houses and everything. You want to you compare it with what the, the neighborhood Auburn has grown up in. Like, you're, you're in a neighborhood with, with, the, with six, of the best mansions in the country. Mm-hmm. You're not in a neighborhood like Ohio State or Michigan or USC where you're you're the old house. You look around and everybody's got a, got a big house. 
Right. And, yeah. And all, all apologies to the last guy. I'm not, I'm not content with my house. I want my house to be the biggest on the block, and I want to burn the major staff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, like, like no, we're not, this ain't, this ain't Lincoln Walls that we sit around playing with our friends. You're playing a game. You want to be the best in the game. Yeah, and that's the thing is Auburn has been having to live around, like you said, some of the biggest and nicest houses in the country. Where and that's what I was getting to is you know Clemson has another house, one house to compare, and Ohio State has one house to compare to, and USC has one house to compare to. Right? Auburn has the two houses to compare to, and those houses have been there for a long time. The foundations have been there forever, and it just doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. No, no, like. The, the difference between Alabama is in that boat. The difference between Auburn and Georgia historically is is the last five years. Right. Um, you know, up until the last five years, Auburn and Georgia historically were about the same program. The difference right now is Georgia hired the right guy. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Um, it's the same at Clemson. Clemson eventually hired the right guy. Um, we don't know if we've hired the right guy. You won't know you hired the right guy until you find out that you hired the right guy. Until you, yeah, you won't know until you know. That's exactly right. And you know, um, some programs like Ohio State have had multiple of those guys, but yeah, Clemson found their one. Georgia has obviously found their one, and Auburn's hoping that they found their one. Anybody, anyone who thinks that the coach from two previous or, or, or two, two previous coaches ago could be the right guy. Didn't know what they were looking at. Like, it had eight years to be the right guy. He wasn't the right guy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and that's that's what you're all look, that's what you're all looking for. It's it's that guy. Like, don't Nick Saban. Alabama hasn't been this good for this long just because they bring in great players. In a lot of places, bring in Florida brings in great players all the time. They've had really crappy football teams. Mm-hmm. They've had really crappy coaches. Texas A&M. And until until you bring in the right guy to actually coach those players, and that's where the whole recruiting versus coaching. If you don't think coaching matters, you're not paying attention to what goes on in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Coaching absolutely matters. It is not. You can't go out and recruit your way to a championship. And I think you I think Jimbo Fisher just proved that for all of us, didn't he? He proved that for all of us at Texas A&M. You cannot recruit your way to the title. Eventually, you've got to coach. You got to coach the guys on the field, and you got to coach them better than the guys you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to make sure that we got, we got the biggest house and the best Ferrari and the best toys and the best pools, and that's all I want. And if my neighbor's house is burned down in the process, so be it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you. And I love the, uh, I love the passion there uh, from that phone call. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Is Every program is looking for the guy. They're looking for the one as the head coach that can take them to the promised land. I mentioned Ohio State. They've had their fair share over the years, right? Their guy in the last decade was Urban Meyer. He was also the guy at Florida. Nick Saban's the guy at Alabama. Kirby's been the guy at Georgia. Dabo's been the guy at Clemson. Texas is hoping that Sark is their guy. Auburn's hoping that Hugh Freeze is their guy. 
there are Ole Miss fans that were hoping Lane Kiffin was their guy. Now, that's a different story because I don't think Ole Miss will ever be a legitimate championship program consistently. But you get what I'm saying here, right? All of these programs, when they make these types of hires, that's why coaching hires are so important. I know people, you know it's important, but you don't always think about how important it is because if you hit the right one, if you find the right guy, he could be the guy. And that guy could take you to make you a dominant college football program. That's what so many have already done. That's what so many are currently waiting on. And Auburn's right there with them. And like Jeremy said, he wants to be the biggest house on the block. He wants to be the biggest house in the state. And maybe even the biggest house in the country. And that's what Auburn fans are hoping Hugh Freeze can bring this football program. We'll talk to Chris Gordy, who's the host of Locked on SEC, when we come back about all things in the Southeastern Conference, the championship game this Saturday, and the college football playoff coming up this weekend. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. It is Thursday at 3.30 here on ESPN 1067, which means it is time for Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, happy Thursday, brother. Hope you had a fantastic holiday and covering rivalry weekend and SEC championship game coming up this Saturday, brother. Great to hear from you. Yeah, good to talk with you, man. And uh, uh, yeah, heartbreaking how... That one ended for you guys over the weekend. But, uh, yeah, look, hey, it's, it's going to be a fun SEC championship game. I still think Georgia's the dominant team, and they're going to show that on Saturday. Well, we will talk about that in just a second. But, of course, got to get your full thoughts on rivalry weekend with the Iron Bowl, with everything that's happened now that the uh, regular season is over in college football for the SEC, which it still kind of blows my mind that we're saying that. But um, give us your your overall reactions to how the regular season came to an end for the teams around the SEC. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, it was actually really good some really good games for, you know, rival, rivalry weekend. Um, you know, there were some big crooked spreads on a lot of those games, but, you know, I thought a lot of them turned out to be uh, maybe more interesting than we thought. I mean, I thought the Egg Bowl was was uh, really close and entertaining on Thanksgiving night. Uh, Mizzou just absolutely manhandled Arkansas on, on Friday. But then on, on Saturday, you know, I thought Florida did as good a job as they could against Florida State. You know, both teams having backup quarterbacks in, but we could see Florida State just got more talent on their roster than Florida does. But that said, they still jumped out to a 12 nothing lead uh, before letting it slip away. You know, Kentucky goes on the road and wins, uh, pulls out a win at Louisville, who was a top-10 team at their house. You know, monster win for them. Um, you know, LSU fell behind to A&M, but, you know, was able to rally behind Jaden Daniels, who just continues to be special. He's, uh, you know, worthy of the Heisman Trophy, and I think uh, – I think he's got a really good shot for that performance he had. Um, you know, South Carolina did as best they could against Clemson. They just they just don't have the offense. I mean, they, they just ran out of gas. And Clemson's defense played very well. But still, you know, it was a close game in the second half. And uh, and then Georgia, you know, put it on uh, or, you know, played a close game with Georgia Tech. I think closer than a lot of us thought it would be. But I kind of thought the writing was on the wall when I heard Georgia was going to be resting Brock Bowers, Vlad McConkie. 
you know, felt like a lot of their guys who had been banged up, they said, let's just rest these guys. And, uh, you know, we should be able to beat Georgia Tech, uh, you know, w- without a scare and, and head into the SEC championship game and get healthy. Oh, and then Tennessee put it on Vandy, but that was no surprise. Vandy stinks. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun rivalry weekend. But, yeah, like I said, a lot of games probably closer than we thought. Chris, the, the news of the week that, that everybody should be talking about, and uh, when I saw it the other day, I was live here on the show, I saw it on X, right, Twitter, during a break, and I had to come out of the break and talk about it. It's the return to Fayetteville as Bobby Petrino back with the Arkansas Razorbacks. It, it's maybe the wildest storyline I've ever heard or seen in college football. Can you believe that he's back in Fayetteville? It's the weirdest thing, I mean, for how things ended there with him, but my buddy John Neighbors, who, who hosts the Lockdown Razorback yeah. podcast, he, had been, you know, he and I had been talking, and he was like, look, Petrino's beloved here. Um, you know, when he went back there as the head coach last year to when he was coaching Missouri State, he got a round of applause, and people, people loved him for what he did there. And you think about it, I mean, he had back-to-back 10-win seasons there. What was that, in 2010, 2011? Arkansas hasn't won that many games in a season since. I mean, they have not reached those heights. So, uh, you know, Petrino, they respect him for what he did. Obviously, it end, ended unceremoniously. I mean, when you're having an affair with a, you know, a former volleyball player who's working on your staff and you, she's riding on the back of your motorcycle and you crash, uh, yeah, not the, not the best way you want to leave a job. But uh, I think time heals all wounds with everything, right? I mean, Hugh Freeze, when he got fired from Ole Miss, you know, or, or released from Ole Miss, whatever the, the wording was. Uh, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty heinous story, I guess. But you know, when he gets hired back at Auburn, you know, who even brings that up anymore with with uh, with Hugh Freeze? So if Bob Petrino is goes in there and he's and that offense turns around, and they're scoring a bunch of points and they're winning some games, it all all will be forgotten about his past. But uh, I did think it was kind of funny last night uh, watching the Arkansas Duke basketball game. They cut to the sweep and. There's Bobby Petrino and Sam Pittman both in there, and Petrino is smiling up a storm, waving to the crowd, and getting a round of applause. And Sam Pittman kind of looked, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe not as pleasantly pleased with that. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things. Somebody told me the other day, did, did Arkansas just hire their next head coach? You yeah. Know, like if, if Sam Pittman is underachieving next year, he will be fired. They'll probably make Bobby Petrino the interim, and if they do well, he could be, you know, he could be the guy who just slides over and becomes the head coach there. <laughs> <laughs> it, what what are the chances? What is what is the possibility of that realistically? I mean, I'd say it's fifty fifty, right? Like Sam yeah. Pittman has not been a very good head coach. I'm surprised and, uh, he's still there, to be honest. Yeah, and this and it's not unprecedented. I mean, there's been guys. I mean, Les Miles hired Ed Ogeron to be his defensive line coach and help out with his defense. And what a, a year and a half later, Les Miles gets fired. Ed Ogeron's the interim, and then they remove the interim tag, and he becomes the head coach. So it's not the craziest of ideas. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It is crazy. Well, I was talking to our friend uh, Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas, and he just he said it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. He just really couldn't believe it, and and it really is a crazy story. But hey, if he goes in and gets results, then all else will be forgiven. I think is how that works sometimes in this sport. And so I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on that. But SEC well, championship. Jacob, they, oh, go ahead. They're, they're, yeah, I was just going to say they're going to have a different look because KJ Jefferson. Right. The report yesterday is yeah. entering the portal. I know he came back and put on Instagram, I haven't made a decision yet, but I would say, like, you got to at least hear out Bobby Petrino, right? Like, it's the guy who's got a great track record of running great offenses. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't at least hear it out, but, you know, some guys just want a, a change of scenery, and we've seen that already from some SEC quarterbacks. Will Rogers at Mississippi State is in the portal. Uh, 
both Vanderbilt quarterbacks, Ken Steele's and A.J. Swanner in the portal. Florida's backup, Max Brown, is in the portal. So there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. So Arkansas may be in the market for a different quarterback. And uh, God willing, maybe Auburn is as well. Yeah, I think Auburn definitely is. And I think Auburn, while they may not be just – like they were last year where they have to get one no doubt about it if you don't you're doomed I mean I think most Auburn fans feel uh, that Auburn needs to go get a quarterback to kind of push the room a little bit and yeah like you said even outside of the SEC there's a ton of quarterbacks that are entering the portal over the next couple of weeks Chris well that's what's funny is hearing you know some of the names I mean uh, you know that Riley Leonard at Duke enters the portal and immediately that I see you know his name connected to Auburn and you know, there's been other guys as well. Will Howard at Kansas State. I saw his name thrown out there for Kentucky, Missouri, and Auburn. So, uh, Tyler Van Dyke down at Miami. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks with a lot of experience in that portal right now. And you know, it comes down to, I mean, this is a bidding war. It's an IL. It's who wants, you know, go buy your quarterback. It's, it's literally NFL free agency, but without the actual price tags public. Oh, I, I, well, and eventually, you know, we I've talked about this. I mean, Our contract, in your opinion, Chris, are contracts incoming for college football players, recruits, and players in general? I mean, are legitimate contracts going to show up to where you have to sign on the dotted line for this amount of money and you need to be here for X amount of years? Well, they kind of already are. I mean, you know, remember the Jaden Rashada stuff, how it fell through with Florida was not everything, you know, that what he was originally guaranteed was in the writing when he signed the deal. And that's how that one fell apart. Uh, and by the way, the agent was trying to take a big, uh, or the guy who helped facilitate the deal was trying to take a big chunk of that money as well. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen this before. I mean, A&M, the, the rumor was, you know, when they signed that number one recruiting class a couple of years ago, that some of the deals they signed with kids, like they told, they told one kid, you'll get a million dollars. And the kid was like, oh, hell yeah, where do I sign? And then after he signed, he found out, no, 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 this is spread out over four years. You mm-hmm. get 250K every year. And the kid will wait, wait a minute, that's not what you originally told me. And I said, well, you signed this. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if we're heading to, like, quote-unquote contract contracts, but, yeah, I mean, like, these agreements are, um, they're definitely payments guaranteed in some way, form, or fashion. You bring up Texas A&M. Mike Elko, what do you think about that hire for, for the Aggies? I've seen mixed emotions and mixed feelings so far from Texas A&M fans. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things fine. where, like, yeah. Like, I don't know if he's going to be hands down better than Jimbo Fisher. He may be equally as good, but, like, they just wanted a different path, right? They, they didn't like the path they were going down with Jimbo. Jimbo was very hard-headed. We, you know, I saw the interview with Bobby, Bobby Petrino yesterday. He said, as soon as Jimbo brought him in, he said, yeah, we're going to use my terminology. Yeah. to learn my playbook and all this. And it's like, it's just so hard-headed. So, at least you bring in Mike Elko, who's beloved there as a D.C., and had some really good defenses back in, you know, 2019, 2020. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the offenses can, can catch up. It's going to be incumbent to me on who he hires as an OC. I thought they should have kept Bobby Petrino, but, uh, you know, very quickly they moved on from him. So I don't know who they're going to hire, but that is a hugely important hire. Now, you saw in the contract, Elko gets $11 million to spend on assistant coaches. So uh, they could basically go out and get any OC that they want out there. But that is a huge, huge hire on, who, you know, whoever he hires because, you know, the defense is going to be good, but – They've got to have the offense to complement it. But I just thought it was pretty ridiculous when it came out over the weekend that, you know, Mark Stoops, the news comes out that, that they had offered him and he had accepted. 
And all these Aggie fans throwing their hands up going, no, he sucks, and all this. I'm like, <laughs> have you guys watched Mark Stoops at Kentucky? Like, the dude has, has been a miracle worker. They're getting the whole games every year. That's what I'm saying. And I get like People look at the win total, and it is what it is. But, like, he's doing that with the resources of Kentucky. Obviously, you give him the resources of A&M where he's got four- and five-star talent, uh, he's going to be much better. People crapped on him after the, he lost to Georgia, and, and he got in front of the podium and said, yeah, I mean, I told our fan base, you know, you want some of those players, four and five stars, they cost money. You know, donate more money. And people criticized him for that, but it was real talk. And if he had gone to A&M, he would have had those NIL deals. He would have had the four and five-star talent. I think Mark Stoops would have won a lot of games there at A&M. So like, I, I, somebody described this to me earlier this week. I said, I mean, Mike Elko is just Mark Stoops, but without the win. You know, it's basically mm. they're the same guy. But uh, it's good for Kentucky. I mean, it keeps their continuity going with Mark Stoops. But we'll see on Elko. I mean, is this the guy who's going to get him over the hump and, and win an SEC title? Probably not. But, you know, as we know, starting moving forward next year, the goal isn't even to win the SEC anymore. It's to, to go 10-2 and two and get into the playoffs. Yeah, especially with the expansion and, and numerous SEC teams that'll make it win or lose in the SEC championship game. That's just kind of where college football is heading. We're talking to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Speaking of the SEC championship and the college football playoff, all of that on the line this weekend with Alabama and Georgia, and they're playing in Atlanta, which that contract got extended, so they'll be playing there through, uh, what, 2031 or something like that, I think they said today. So uh, they'll be playing there in Atlanta for a while. But Georgia-Alabama this weekend, Huge playoff implications, man. What's going to happen in that game, and, and, and what happens with the Final Four in your mind? Well, I think I think Georgia wins and wins handily. I think it's probably close in the first half. I think you know I wouldn't be surprised if Bama does what so many teams have done to Georgia: gets the ball first, goes right down the field, scores scores six points, and Georgia's suddenly in a deficit. But we saw that they're all throughout this year. Tennessee did it to them. Florida did it to them. I mean, you know, almost everybody they played did it to them. And then that's when Georgia clamps down, and then you you have struggles. You know, you struggle to score again. Uh, I think people have overhyped them a little bit. They look, they're, they're a good team, no doubt. Um, you know, Nick Saban's done done a great job coaching them up this year, and Jalen Milrow is is light years from where he was earlier this year. But I think what people are are kind of misconstrued with, you know, this offense they they scored. You know, they, they pulled Mil- Milrow back in there as a starter. They scored twenty four points in a win over Ole Miss. They, they score 26 on, on the road for a close win at A&M. Against Arkansas, they jump out to the early lead, and then here comes Arkansas, you know, scoring, 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 and Bama can't do, any, or can't do anything in the second half on offense, and they, they win that one by three. The next week against Tennessee, the offense was terrible for a first half, and finally they flipped the switch in the second half and were able to score some points on, a, on an average Tennessee defense. But look at the stretch of games after that. They beat up on LSU, which has probably the worst, if not one of the worst, defenses in the in the SEC this year. Uh, they go to Kentucky and, and put up a bunch of points on them, but Kentucky's defense ain't very good. Yeah. And then they hang 66 on Chattanooga. They finally face a good defense for the first time in, in almost two months against Auburn, and look what happened. You know, they needed a miracle fluke to, to even get out with the win and even still only score 27. I mean, it should have been, what, 20-21. So um, I say all that to say – all these narratives people create about Jalen Milrow is so improved. He's on fire and all this. I'm going, did, did nobody watch the Auburn game? Like, <laughs> they did not yes. do what they wanted on, yes. on offense. So, to me, that's more what Bama is. Again, you played bad defenses like LSU and Kentucky and Chattanooga, and it made you look way better than you really are. They're going to get humbled this weekend against a really good – this is a really good Georgia uh, defense. 
and Bama ain't scoring more than 21, 24. Is this a play-in game in your mind, winners in, losers out, or does it depend on who wins and who loses for the SEC championship game in regards to the college football playoff? Because that's everybody's conversation right now when it comes to the SEC. Yeah, it's a it's a nightmare scenario for the committee. I, I don't I don't envy their job of being on that committee if Bama is able, you know, pulls off a miracle and uh, and upsets Georgia because I don't know what the hell they do. I mean, they they would they would need some help. In other words, like, to, hey, help us make this decision easier. You know, if Louisville beats Florida State, okay, maybe that helps the decision. The the, the one good thing is Washington plays Oregon, so one of those teams is going to be eliminated. And I think Ohio State's sitting back there at six. They're just out of the picture. The tough part is keeping Texas at seven and Alabama at eight. You're talking Alabama has to go up at least four spots. they got to go up from eight to at least four. And I just, like the committee, Bill Hancock said it the other day, the committee's job is tasked with finding the four best teams in the country. He said the words deserving never come into our vocabulary. So that tells me they don't care about resumes. They don't care about, oh, man, you really earned it this week. They just care about our subjective, what's the four best teams? And they've kept Georgia sitting there one week in and week out. If Georgia loses on a last-second field goal to them in the SEC title game for their first loss of the season, I got news for you. Georgia's still one of the four best teams in the country. They're not yep. going to drop them out of four. So I just – I could – honestly, uh, Jacob, I could see a scenario that, George, that Bama beats Georgia in a close game. Georgia still goes, and Bama doesn't Ooh. because they kept Bama at eight. Like, oh, they, they'd be livid. Ooh, they'd be you, living. Why would you have them so low in these rankings? That yeah. When they, our buddy Chris Marler said it on Lockdown SEC this week. He said, this is the first time I can ever remember Bama winning this many games in a row and not moving at all. Like, the, the committee kept looking at him going, we still don't think you're one of the best teams in the country. We're not moving you up. So, yeah. pretty fascinating. Yeah, I think the rankings is something people are not talking, myself included, are not talking about enough, is what the rankings are right now going into conference championship weekend and ultimately into the selection show come Sunday. Man, it's an exciting time around the SEC, around college football. We'll talk college basketball uh, starting next week and the weeks to come as that season will be really getting into into all of that with SEC play about a month from now. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday here on ESPN 106.7. Plug everything you got, man. What's coming up on the podcast over the next few days? Yeah, we'll have our SEC championship preview tomorrow. But the big thing we've just been—we've uh, been all over the transfer portal, monitoring where all the the SEC guys are going, and some of these big name quarterbacks. And uh, I was told by somebody today, fully expect Auburn is is absolutely going to bring in a, a quarterback through the portal. We just don't know who it is. So we'll keep you up to date on Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcast. Awesome, man. Hey, enjoy it. Are you going to be in Atlanta? No, are you in Atlanta this weekend? No, we were we were originally going and then uh, had a schedule conflict, so not going to be gotcha. there, but uh, we'll still be covering it fully. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Always a good time talking with you, and we'll have you on next Thursday. All right. Thanks, Jacob. That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Go find it free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Chris does a wonderful job. His takes are just as hot, if not hotter, on the podcast, so make sure you go and check all of that out. Great friend of mine, longtime guest on the show, and we always enjoy talking with him. We'll come back and wrap it up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
Last couple of minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Been a great show today, as Thursdays always are. They're busy, but man, they're so much fun around here. Two hours just fly by on Thursday afternoons. We talked to Brad Law back in hour number one from the Auburn Sports Network. Also just got off the phone with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. And he joins us every Thursday, so we appreciate those two gentlemen. How about Chris saying that there's a possibility... That even if Alabama wins the SEC championship, Georgia would still go to the college football playoff. Folks, can you imagine? Can you imagine the chaos that would come out of Tuscaloosa and across this state if Alabama were to win the SEC championship, beat the number one team in the country, one loss all year, and didn't make it to the playoff? Oh my gosh, you thought they you thought Nick Saban was mad the last time they didn't make it. Oh, oh, they would lose their ever-living minds. And I kind of hope it happens. I want chaos. I heard somebody say this the other day, as an Auburn fan, it may have been one of our callers, said, I want the utmost chaos in college football. Maybe it was a guest, I can't remember. And I know Uncle T-Bone, he was like, no, I don't want chaos because he didn't want Alabama to make the playoff, but... I don't know, man. Crazy, crazy times around college football. We get to talk about all of that on the show tomorrow. Uh, Uncle T-Bone will be back with me here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio, so excited for that. Uh, If you missed any of today's show, we've talked college basketball uh, with Auburn beating Virginia Tech last night. We talked to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Had some really good calls and some passionate Auburn fan calls in this second hour, so that was a lot of fun. Got to talk about uh, the houses in the neighborhood when it comes to Auburn and their rivals, so that was a really fun conversation. And then, of course, Chris Gordy, who is with the Locked on SEC podcast. So if you missed any of it, you can find the podcast on our station website at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcast. A little programming updates tonight over on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Tiger Talk live from Neville Arena. That'll be at 6 o'clock. And then over on AU100, uh, that'll be uh, the Auburn women's basketball game hosting Clemson for the SEC ACC Challenge. So be sure you tune in for that. Airtime 745 and tip off set for 8 with Britt Bowen. So excited for that as well. Tomorrow, we'll talk more college basketball, more college football, a lot of SEC championship and college football playoff talk with me and Uncle T-Bone. I'm excited for it, man. I think there's going to be a lot of chaos and a lot of fun. I hope it doesn't all go chalk. That's kind of boring, right? That's boring. We want some fun in college football as the season is close to coming to an end. Maybe some recruiting dates. Maybe some portal updates as well. You never know. College football is going wild right now. Regular season may be over, but the drama is nowhere near gone. We'll talk about all that tomorrow on the Friday edition of On the Line. Until then, stay safe, and I'll talk to you later.